we're looking at 1 John 3, verse 11, down to the end of the chapter. This is the word of God. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. And whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are off the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because He keeps His command, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. Amen. And we thank God today uh, for his word in First John. As I look out today, I see a lot of happy, shiny, wee Eden Grove faces. And why? Because on Thursday past, it was Valentine's. Uh, and I know Ballinhedge people, they're good enough to one another and, and Maybe you're just delighted this morning at your gift that your husband didn't get you from Poundland. Because after all, who needs Poundland now that we've got B&M? Everything is great the few days after Valentine's. And, and on Thursday night past, do you remember? You were lying in your bed. It was cold outside. And, and you heard what sounded like a, a wee song being sung outside your window. Do you remember? And there you opened the window and you looked out and it was your Frank or your Sammy, or, or whoever yours is, and he had his mandolin, and he was all dressed up, and he, he, he looked like he had a wee shower and all, and he was singing. He was singing up, wasn't he? Roses are red, violets are fun, your eyes are sweeter than Kenny Blaney's buns. Do you remember? And it thrilled your wee heart, didn't it? It thrilled your wee heart. And why? Because it's always good to know, isn't it, that we are loved. It's always good to know that, that there's someone somewhere who, who thinks something of us, who, who cherishes us, who, who cares for us, who would miss us if we weren't there, who, who loves us. And folks, maybe you sit there and you think, well, Frank didn't turn up. There was no Frank in my back garden. And there hasn't been since my dad shot him about 40 years ago and chased him off. I had no Frank this week. And it wasn't a week of love, and, and I'm feeling a wee bit flat this morning because nobody loves me. Then you read a passage like this one, 
And John tells us that we are loved with an extraordinary love. And that is where I want to start today because it, at first glance this is a passage in 1 John which is all about loving one another and we will certainly get to there in a wee minute or two. But what is the source of that love? What is the fire of that love? Why do we go out of our way to love one another in the Christian church? Well, simply put, my brothers and sisters, because Christ loved us first. John begins by saying, this is the message that we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And we think, well, how, John, how do we love one another? What is this love? And he he goes on to tell us in verse 16, it has got nothing to do with buns or, or chocolates or flowers or mandolins. In verse 16, he says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. See, this week was all about the cards, wasn't it? And the flowers and the, the bouquets and the rose petals leading all the way to the kitchen where you'd burnt a toasted sandwich or beans on toast or whatever it was. This week's all about romance. But the love that fires us up and, and drives us to that sacrificial love of each other is a love that didn't send flowers, but instead it was a love that sent the Son. And by this we know love that Christ Jesus laid down his life for us. My friends, this week, whether you got a card or not, whether you got six cards or not, whether you got flowers or, or whatever it was you got, the love that was displayed this week does not compare to the love that was displayed at Calvary. This is how we know love, says John, that Christ laid down his life for us. This is how we know how cherished we are that Christ would die a sinner's death for our sins. This is how you know today with all your baggage and with all the broken relationships and with all the the stuff going on in your life, this is how you know today that you are loved, that the Savior died for you. My friends, you are loved. And we have been singing love songs all morning to, to remind ourselves of how we have been cherished. And when we look and survey that cross, it cries out the love of God for his bride, the church. Friends, that is the love that forms the basis of everything else that this passage says. Because as we work our way through First John, as I've said last time out, we heard that the Christian is someone who does not make a practice of sinning. How can you be assured that you are a saviour, or or you're you're saved from your sin? Because you seek to please your saviour every single day. Because you despise sin more and more. You seek to grow in righteousness. And John says, anyone who has been born of God, in verse 9 in chapter 3, does not make a practice of sinning. No one born of God does this. For God's seed abides in you. This is the reality if we are a believer, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ, if we understand the love that he shed abroad for us, then we do not make a practice of sinning. And in the same way in these verses, this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. The love that Christ has for us 
spills into our church and spills into our relationship and spills into how we treat one another in this place or down the street or at the school gates or in B&M or even outside a bedroom window on Valentine's night. The love that Christ has for us spills into our relationships. This is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. You see, there's always another side to the coin. And John tells us that in verse 12. He says, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Again, friends, when when we seek to understand Scripture, Scripture speaks to Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture. And it's not just Hebrews which helps us understand Cain and Abel. Uh, It's also here in 1 John. In Hebrews, we read that that Cain was a faithless man. And here we see that he ultimately murders his brother because he could see that his brother's deeds were righteous and his own were evil. There was this sinful rage and jealousy in the life of Cain. Here is Abel, his brother, who he should have loved and cherished and protected and, and looked after. But instead, out of jealousy and spite and sin, Cain slays Abel. John says that is not the path for the believer. And of course you might think to yourself, well, well Scott, we, we've never murdered anybody and, and we never would. But actually when we do not choose the path of love, it's, it's actually a, quite a subtle thing. It does not necessarily lead to murder as soon we will see. But this love that Christ has for us and how we love one another, we should not be surprised, says John in verse 13, when the world hates us. See, how the Christian church loves one another is an affront to the way the world lives. How the Christian church and the brothers and sisters in Christ love one another is radically different from how the world acts. And therefore, we are not to be surprised that the world hates you. Why not? Because we are in Christ. And the world hated Jesus first. The world poured out its wrath and vengeance on Christ first. And because we have been loved by Jesus, because we are in Christ by faith, then do not be surprised that the world hates you. This should not be a shock to the Christian. And we know, verse 14, that we have passed out of death into life, not just because the world hates us, but because we love the brother. And whoever does not love abides in death. That's a startling verse. See, as we think of the story of Cain, we consider, well, well, do you know, I've never done that. I've never murdered my brother, and, and I never would. I've, I've never done that. But, says John, you do not need to pick up a, a rock or a stone or a knife or a gun and kill somebody stone dead to show hatred towards them. We love the brothers, says John, and this is a sure sign that we have passed out of death into life, and whoever does not love abides in death, he said. Today, if we sit with bitterness and hatred in our hearts towards a brother or sister in Christ, then we are abiding in death. Today, if we have stored up rage so much so against someone else that we can't look at them, can't speak to them, we, we will cross the street to avoid them, that we will go to another town to get away from them, we are abiding in death, says John. And for those who are loved by God, 
for those who have been called according to his purpose, for, for those for whom Christ died, this is simply not a straightforward way for us to go. This is not a path that we can choose. This is not a road that we can walk. Brothers, the world hates you because you are in Christ. But know that you have passed out of death into life when you love each other, when you love the brothers. If you do not choose this road, then you are abiding in death. John puts more meat on the bones in verse 15. He says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Friends, is not another startling verse. Anyone who hates his brother, anyone who despises a fellow member of the church of Jesus Christ, anyone who hates with a passion someone else who bears that name Jesus, bears that name Christian, is a murderer. And no murderer, says John, has eternal life abiding in him. Friends, we see this unfortunately all the time, don't we? Not just in the church, but outside the church, we see all the time relationships breaking apart and, and situations which crop up which just cannot be got over. We see it all the time. And yet the apostle here makes it absolutely clear, this is not the road for the Christian. Just as the Christian knows that they are saved because they, they desire holiness, and more righteousness. And so too, a Christian knows and is assured that they are saved because they love the brothers. It's a simple test that the apostle gives us, but when we examine our blackened hearts, we see that often we fall far short. In verse 16, as we've already quoted, John points us to Jesus. He says, Here, is where we see love. Here is where we know love. That Christ laid down his life for us. And the standard of our love is exactly that. Because John goes on in the second part of verse 16 to say, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. We ought to be prepared to do whatever it takes for one another. We ought to go to extraordinary lengths to show love and honor to one another. We ought to be men and women who display our love of Christ and display our faith in an extraordinarily loving, kind, generous way. Both when we meet here on a Sunday and certainly throughout the course of the week, as the believers in this town, as men and women of faith in this town, we ought to be prepared to lay down our lives for the brother. Friends, do you think Balna Hinch would be radically transformed by such a love as this? Do you think that Balna Hinch would be noticeably different if the church of Jesus Christ was prepared to lay down its life for the church of Jesus Christ, the brothers and sisters that we have in faith? This is our standard. This is the banner that, that is raised over us because we have been loved in an extraordinary, extraordinary way by Jesus. We ought to lay down our lives for one another. But John makes it clear it's not a, an airy furry kind of under the window singing a wee song with your guitar kind of love. It's an intensely practical and, and visible love. He says in verse 17, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? 
if you have all the money in the world, but you, you refuse to use it for your brothers and sisters? How does God's love abide in you? If you have plenty of food in your table, but you refuse to share it with brothers and sisters who have nothing, how does God's love abide in you? What I love about 1 John is that it is an incredibly personal letter, and he, he pokes you in the chest, and he, he says, Scott, are you listening to this? Is this how you love? Is this how you share the things that God has given you? And it's one thing to go away to the mission field. It's one thing to spend a week or two in Romania over the summer, and an entirely another thing not to darken the door of the place for the rest of the year. It's one thing to, to write a check for, for people far, far away that you will never see. It's an entirely another thing to live day to day to day with brothers and sisters in Christ who you would die for them and give them whatever you need. I one, once heard a story about a, a farmer. And this isn't anti-farmers. Some farmers are decent people. <laughs> All of them are. They're good lads. But I heard this story of this farmer, and he had sold some land. He had come into a huge amount of money. You wouldn't believe the amount of money he had come into. And when his elder called to visit him, one of the first things he said to his elder was, let them know they're not getting a penny. Because he assumed that's what the elder was there for. The church needed a bit of work done, and maybe the elder was round to, to ask for some of that extraordinary amount. But he made it clear. You're getting nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't know that man. I don't know the condition of his heart today, but I think in that moment that perhaps he went on to regret, we, we saw a little glimpse of where his heart truly was. His bank balance was full, and the church's wasn't going to be. He had everything he needed, and anybody else in the church of Jesus Christ who needed something wasn't going to get it from him. He was all right, and therefore the drawbridge could come up, and everybody else could go to pot. Friends, that is not love as we are commanded here. That is not how we are to love one another. John says we love each other in the Christian church with a love that is prepared to lay down our lives for the brothers. We love each other in the Christian church with a love that is prepared to give the last crust of our table to our brother or sister in Christ. This is the standard of love that the Lord places before us in his holy word. And by this says John. By this we shall know that we are off the truth. By this we shall know, verse 19, and our hearts will be reassured before him. This is how we know that we are men and women of faith. That we love one another. And sometimes it is incredibly difficult to love one another. Some individuals in the church, the old saying about those individuals is true, that you, you couldn't like them if you reared them. And there may be some individuals in this church who, who you really incredibly struggle with. You, you don't like to see them coming. You love to see them going. You don't particularly want to talk to them very much. You, you perhaps ignore them deliberately or, or in a wee sneaky sort of way. But, but you know those people. I know those people. You know those people. What should we do? Should we just pretend that passages like this one do not exist? No. John says in verse 18, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Here is how we are to love one another. 
not with airy, furry, fluffy sentiments that we maybe say between the hours of 11 and 12 on a Sunday morning, but, but with committed, heartfelt, extraordinary love throughout the course of the week and every single day where we pray for one another, we support one another, we encourage one another with the Word of God, we challenge one another, we build one another up, we, we draw alongside with one another, we laugh together, we cry together, we, we drink tea together and eat buns together share life together. That is what it is to be a church. That is the reality of of who we are in Christ because those two words have changed everything in Christ. And if you say to me, well, this is too high a standard and, and there are individuals that I cannot forgive and individuals that I cannot love, I challenge you and I challenge myself with those two words, in Christ. If you are in Christ, you do not have an option to hate. The Lord does not look favorably on our decisions to to destroy someone, whether it is by rumor or gossip or innuendo or just ignoring them. The Lord does not look favorably upon that. There is utterly no excuse for that because we are in friends, the reality is, as we work our way through this, probably there isn't a single one of us who hears this passage and thinks, well, I've nailed that one. I am the most loving, generous person I know. I I never get this wrong. I'm always loving. I I love everybody in the church. I I hand out sweets to the Methodists, and uh, I take uh, lots of fresh water around to the Baptists when they're doing their thing, and I go up to the Church of Ireland, and and I wave at them, and I, I just love everybody. Probably not. And so today as we sit here and perhaps feel condemned by the word of God, thankfully John finishes with words of comfort. He says we we know, verse 19, that we are off the truth and and reassure our hearts before him when, when we love in this way. But, verse 20, whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. That is a verse which should cause us to quake. But it is also a verse which causes us great joy. You see, today not one of us needs to walk out of here and pretend that we've nailed this. We don't need to go out here today and say, Oh, Lord, you know me. I'm always loving because the Lord knows what your heart is like. He knows what my heart is like. He knows everything. My brothers and sisters, when our hearts condemn, God is greater than our hearts. Today I want to remind you that you are loved. Your love for one another may not be very good, it may not be very strong, you may not cross the road for someone else, and yet you're commanded to do exactly that in this passage. The Lord knows your heart, and yet he loves you anyway. Isn't that such a joy? To know that even when we are ugly, Even when we are rotten, the Lord's unswerving, steadfast love abides upon us. Folks, maybe you looked in the mirror on Thursday morning and you didn't like what you saw. Maybe when you peered in the the mirror on Valentine's Day, you thought to yourself, how could anybody love me? Well, the Lord does. 
Christ did not pour out his love upon you because he knew that you were an extraordinary love, loving person. That's not why he died for you. Jesus didn't pour out his love upon you at Calvary because he knew, I'll save this person because they will love all the brothers and sisters and they'll never get it wrong. That's a nonsense. It's a nonsense. He, he died for sinners like us. He died for men and women like us who, who could spell love but don't practice it. He died for men and women like us that excel sometimes in hatred but aren't very good at love. He died for sinners like us. And so today, my brothers and sisters, our hearts condemn us, but God is greater than our hearts. And he assures us that we are saved through faith in Christ. And if our heart, verse 31, does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. I pray today that by the Holy Spirit, he will come and do a work in us. He will remove from us any fear of condemnation because we know that we are in Christ. I pray that he will come and sweep out any legalism that says, I haven't loved enough and therefore I am not saved. We are in Christ and therefore we are loved with an everlasting, eternal love because we have trusted in Jesus. May the Spirit do that work. But may the Spirit also cause us to reflect on this passage. See, it's not just good enough to say, well, the Lord assures me of his love, and so I'm just going to keep on hating. The Lord assures us of his love. We are not in condemnation before the Lord because we are in Christ, but go and sin no more. Go and love one another. Go and, and strive to love and live for the church of Jesus Christ, to be men and women who would cross the road and climb mountains and lay down their life if necessary for the bride of Christ. Friends, I cannot explain to you how beautiful this gathering looks to the Lord. And you look out and you see, you see we suit, seats, seats and suits, see all sorts. You see men and women of different ages and stages. Men and women that struggle in different ways, but, but if we could see ourselves as the Lord sees us, part of the bride of Christ. And so we're not just loved, we are cherished. We're not just loved, but we are adored. So much so that Christ lays down his life for us. So in response, we go and we love. See, I think when we gather here on a Sunday, often we, we treat it as if we were going to the cinema. We come, we get our seat, we sit down, we take our place, and we think, right, entertain me. What have you got today? What, what sermon are you preaching today? What lengths are it going to be? What songs are we going to sing? What's the tea and coffee like? What are the buns like? Entertain me. It's, it's all about me. But my brothers and sisters, it's really not. When we gather here, it is primarily for the, the vertical. We come to worship the Lord. He is the audience of one. But as part of our worship, which is that vertical aspect, there's also the horizontal. And we come and we speak to one another. We come to pray with one another. We come to comfort and, and laugh and, and, and speak into each other's lives. That's part of what we do as we gather. And so, friends, can I urge you that that this time every single week would be a non-negotiable priority in your life. And I say this 
Next thing, not as a criticism, but unfortunately because it is real. Largely as a fellowship, we do not really do extra bits. We gather on a Sunday morning, not so much on a Sunday night. During the week, not really. Numbers-wise, it, it doesn't filter into the church. We never have a prayer meeting this size or, or a Bible study this size. That makes this moment, this time, incredibly important. And when you decide that you don't need to be here, when you decide this just requires one hour and you're in at 11 and out at 12, then my brothers and sisters, you are betraying your heart which perhaps does not love your brothers and sisters as it should. Today, before you go home, speak to someone that you do not know. Today, before you go home, have a cup of tea with someone who, who you have no clue. If you are looking around this church to say, today and saying, I don't know these people. Who's that one over there? Who's your man at the back? I don't know them. Go and speak to them. You are part of the one fellowship, the one body of Christ. And if, if we don't do Sunday night and if we don't do during the week, then let us do Sunday morning with bells on. And we come and we rejoice together and we look one another in the eye and we say, I love you and I am for you just as our Savior loves us and is for us. When you opt out of this, it's as if you're saying, I don't need it and they don't need me. And my friends, that is simply not the case. We love in response to how we have been loved and we do it often in this this is the main meeting of our week. This is the play field for where we love one another. But today as we go, and as we respond to this, let me ask you, as I ask myself, is there a brother or sister today that you need to forgive? Someone who has wronged you. They might know it. They might not. But they have done something that has changed your attitude towards them. They have done something that has made you not speak to them or, or just brush past them. Whereas before you and them were having coffee and hanging out and being buddies, do you need to forgive someone? And friends, if you do, and if you are in Christ, then this is the time. Not next week or when you break them. Or when they come crawling on broken glass to you over something that they've no clue they've done today, you forgive them in your heart just as you have been forgiven. And friends, today, in response to this, we look on to Jesus. For I think we only realize how we are to love one another when we are in love with him when we realize who he is and when we think more and more and more what he has done and when we meditate upon his ways and his word, when we spend time in his company, when we look upon the loveliness of Christ, then I think inevitably that flows into every relationship that we are involved in. Friends, today this is the commandment John says in verse 23 that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he has commanded us. 
And whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. My friends, if you are in Christ, those verses speak of you. And if you are in Christ, then you go and you love because he first loved you. Friends, not an easy passage, but one I pray will reap much fruit in my life and in yours. And today, if no one got you a card, and today, if no one's ever bought you chocolates, and today, if no one would cross the road to tell you how great you are, then, my friends, come and be in Christ, a beautiful Savior who died for our sins receives all who put their faith in him. Amen. And we thank God for his word.